A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 98 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're marketing Starbucks. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. David Lemley is back to continue our chat about retail marketing. This time we focus on his time at Starbucks. Next time, Steve Rondazzo will be in to discuss experiences. Soon we'll have David C. Baker on building an agency, John McDonald of the Good on optimization, and we'll continue that optimization angle with Justin Christensen. Plus, I have a special guest for episode 100. It's Lindsay Pattison, Chief Client Officer of WPP. Can't wait to have that discussion. We will go into what she's hearing from clients or what marketers are confessing. What a concept. That should go live on September 30th, just a couple episodes from now. Next time, we'll take a look in the rear view at some of the highlights from the past two years. We have a great lineup of podcasts on Podco Media Networks. There's this one, the Innovation Podcast, Demystifying Data, and My First Job. Plus, we have two premiering in October. The Innovate Her Podcast, hosted by Innovate Her KC founder Lauren Conaway, and Biz Latina from Olvin Valentin, which will be about Latin American business. That's all happening in October. Head over to Podco Media to listen and subscribe. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, back to David Lemley. David was an early employee at Starbucks, and that taught him a lot. Lessons he takes with him today to help him with his current client roster. And there are some valuable lessons in David's story. Plus, he gives us a look at the future. So let's get to it. So tell me about your days at Starbucks. There was a time... Not that long ago when they weren't on every street corner in Manhattan and every other city in the world, and they weren't a household name. I remember not long ago in the Boston area, we had Coffee Connection, which Starbucks bought and turned into Starbucks. What were those early days at Starbucks like? So it was really strange. You have to picture a time when Uban was the best-selling coffee in <laughs> In the world, actually. But it was also the household name, Uban and Maxwell House, were the champion brands of coffee, with Millstone Coffee being the esoteric gourmet coffee outside of that can. Or chock full of nuts, right? Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it picture. I mean, coffee in a can. You don't see that other than Italy today because it's this beautiful Italian espresso bean experience. But everyone else is in some sort of bag or whole bean bin or something like that in grocery. But going back to the story of Starbucks, so there should be a long legal disclaimer naming about 40 people who are involved. But I was lucky enough when Howard Schultz bought the company and took it public, he brought in the guy from Nike named Scott Bedberry, who helped come up with Just Do It. And I got to be in the room when Scott Bedberry and Wright Massey invented the third place for Starbucks. So I was in there drawing on the walls with them. So they came to my firm to help build a store day forever and not have them get boring. And so we were fortunate enough to be on the ground and help write the Starbucks brand Bible and help build out all of that stuff with, again, many, many very talented people. But it was interesting to have a team of marketers and executives that were so forward thinking that they knew what they had at that time at 800 locations was not scalable and not imaginative enough to capture the world's attention. So they asked us to go break every rule there was and come up with something that would be so provocative that no matter who you were, you would walk in and feel like it was an experience created for you. And that's kind of the way it feels now. Yeah. So it's evolved from the work that we did. The work we did was when they went from 800 to 8,000 locations. Now they have this kind of roastery thing, which is really amazing and another ultra premium experience. But, you know, you ask about what was it like in those days. It was heady and there was no such thing as gourmet coffee besides Millstone in groceries. So we worked on that as well and tried to figure out what that whole experience would look like. And it was very stealth. Everything that they did was smart and stealth. And when the brand strategy came back that they could be part of popular culture, they went out and bought Hear Music. I don't know if you remember that oh, yeah, brand. Yeah. yeah, so that's how music and culture and art and everything became part of it. So it was really became this third place, not work, not home, and became the place where you could hang out and for $3.27 get to be who you want to be. And so taking that today, ultimately, that's the DNA of that brand and nurturing your spirit one cup at a time, one person at a time. So that gets back to that frontline employee being able to translate that to you in a way that makes you feel like you belong. And that's the thing when we talk about retail today that has not changed and is, in fact, even more important because so many experiences are impersonal or they're digital and they're transactional and there's no there there. So if I'm bothering to go physically to someplace, I want to feel like I belong. And so that's the central core of retail experience in my mind. And they have their challenges, and they've got, my research shows, 29,324 stores around the globe. Yeah. And that's a, that's a massive operation to manage. But they seem to, whenever they have a challenge, they seem to respond to it fairly quickly and fairly thoroughly. They do, and I will come back to it. It's the people that everyone in that organization knows why their job exists to deliver on their mission of nurturing the human spirit one cup at a time. So it can get much more grandiose than that. And they've got all of these other complex business units. But I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was there helping 
kind of refurbished the Frappuccino business, the in-cafe Frappuccino business. And he was talking about it. And as he talked about the resources that were available to him and the time that he got to use and the way his internal team talked and how they talked long-term about their return on that investment, it was so engaging to hear that story because it just reminded me that if you take the time to think beyond the transaction and think about what you want people to say about you after their experience and what would they tell a friend about you and back up from there to start to engineer what it should look like, you get a completely different outcome or a completely different plan than if you say, well, how can I just fix this as quickly as possible and start to make money as quickly as possible. That's my next question is kind of related to that. Maybe we can expand on that. How do you take those lessons from the early days of Starbucks to the work that you do with your clients now? How do you tell them, whoa, just hang on a second. Let's get this stuff right before we go and conquer the world. Yeah, I think that today we really talk with people about what does long-term brand relevance look like and what will that do to your brand value and what will that do to your top line and then your profit. And of course, if you have relevance and people are engaged and they care about you, you can play on something other than price because that gives you a chance to win. Whereas if you're playing on price, you're never going to win. So we approach it from that perspective. And then we also talk about what does from the get-go conversation with a client or a new piece of business that we're helping with, we start talking in terms of years right away because this kind of change or this kind of evolution of brand or development of brand doesn't show up in the balance sheet or doesn't show up in the store in 90 days or six months. It's it's a long-term process. And if you can get them to go from, oh my gosh, I've got a trade show next month. I need X, Y, and Z. Or, oh, this retailer <laughs> said X, Y, and Z, and I need this on shelf. Or I'm having trouble here, or I'm going to be discontinued here. If you can get them to stop looking at the symptoms and the pain points as fixing that to be the big solve, and of course, offer triage, but think big terms so that you never, as a brand, end up in that situation again, and you command the high ground from that day forward. It's a different conversation. And all of that was really solidified for me, working with such smart, ballsy, and brilliant people at Starbucks. So where are things headed, do you think, for retail and for your business, you know, consulting with these retailers and you know where's things heading for voodoo yeah i think for retailers i think the experience economy is even though it's been around the book has been out for 20 years and the notion of you buy experiences you don't buy products is not new i think it's really mainstreaming and and every retailer who's not dying has bought into that idea so i think of things like multi-use and and how like the American mall is being reinvented and the types of things that they're doing with that space. It's much more life is theater and commerce is theater and looking at products is theater. That is becoming the new normal for everything from buying clothes to eating out and getting them to be sort of more walkable and more, I guess, snackable is how I'd call it. Short, simple sound bites where I'm as a consumer, I can buy into your brand and your idea and your retail experience at whatever level is meaningful to me. I think that is mainstream now. And I think from a better for you perspective, I also think that is 
on the verge of becoming mainstream. We started really focusing on that in the year 2011. That's when my business partner and I decided we were only going to service that sector. And when we first did that, all of our friends in the agency world and a lot of the brands that we'd worked with in the past thought we were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And (laughs) they just thought, you guys are nuts, or we'll see you, or I hope you have your resume polished when this doesn't work. And now, you know, we're seven, eight years in, and Kroger and Safeway have natural and better for you products in every aisle of the store. And things like organic is not weird anymore. It's fact, everything that exists, there's some version of that. So it's becoming much more normalized. And I think as this younger millennial and Generation Z come up where they have been raised on organic Cheetos. If you're going to eat a Cheeto, it should be clean. If you're going to do this, they, they have, it's, it's cooked into who they are. So what we say over here is that we think retail voodoo will be done. It will have delivered on our mission of helping those kind of brave people to change the food system for the better when conventional grocery stores are the new specialty store, meaning that there will be no such thing as a natural store any longer. It'll just be everywhere. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that. And like I said, it's at early mass right now. And I think if you do a traditional adoption bell curve in your mind, I think we're just about to peak the top of the roller coaster. Yeah, we have Wegmans in my area. I grew up in central New York and we had Wegmans when I was growing up, but we have Wegmans here in Massachusetts now for, I think, almost the last 10 years. And it changes the way you look at grocery stores. If I go to the competing grocery store here in town, it feels like I'm stepping back into the early 1960s. Wegmans is an experience, and that's part of their magic, is that they make shopping kind of an experience and make it interesting and fun. It's not just a store with linoleum floors and shelves. It's much more than that. It's a celebration of food and the love of food and what food can do for you as a human, and then all the way out to the farm. that There are people and plants and animals involved along the way, and you get to be a good citizen as part of that Wegman is a great citizen brand. They take care of everyone along the food chain, literally, in this case. Um, (laughs) Don't you hate it and love it when that happens? Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) But they're a good citizen, and, and I think they're an example for those grocers who are slow to evolve to watch out or get ready to sell to. Well, David, wow, it was great having you on. We talked about a lot of stuff that I didn't anticipate we'd touch on, so I really appreciate your thinking and the time you spent with me today. Thanks so much. Yeah, Mark, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. All right, next time we take a look in the rear view at some of the highlights from the past two years. I'll try to distill it down to about 15 minutes or so, so don't blink. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.